The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, friend, no, Steve here. And Larson. Yeah, welcome back to Going In Rock Countout. The only top 10 professional wrestling countdown list that can be found here yeah, on YouTube.com. I'm sure others exist somewhere. Forward slash Steve and Larson. We have friends who do other top 10 wrestling lists. I know. Lists. I was just being little, kind of jokey about it. I'm sure they exist somewhere else. What culture? Exactly. Brian Zane. They're all over the place. They're all over the and place. And they all do wonderful jobs doing those, those countdown lists. Probably better than us. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. <laughs> but... We like ours the best. Anyways, because they make I'm us not money. Even, well, I mean. We, they make us money. There's difference between liking them and needing them. Okay. Well, there you go. We, we need, need ours, ours the most. But we don't like ours. We like theirs more than ours. <laughs> Anyways. Wow. What a creative blunder that intro was, Larson. And what a, what a happy coincidence because this episode is all about creative blunders. Now, lately, there has been a, a, a mass exodus from the WWE. Well, two people have left. Two people have left, but for the same reason. Percolated that uh, there is some discontent about the creative in WWE locker rooms. Yes, that's right. We've heard uh, Sasha Banks talk about it publicly on the Sam Roberts show. Um, We heard Revival unhappy. We've heard... Who else was unhappy? Dean Ambrose. Well, I mean, he's left. Yeah. Oh, Mike Kanellis. Mike Kanellis. Maria Kanellis. A lot of these people have very good reasons to be discontent. With their uh, creative Larson, but they wouldn't be the first to to experience crap creative in the WWE. So we went back and fished out ten prime examples, only the most prime examples, only the worst creative blunders, <laughs> only the worst creative blunders for the WWE. Because for every good thing they do, there's like five bad things they do. Again, much like us. <laughs> oh, well, we're in good company. If we're in the WWE then. Anyways. Let's kick this off with number 10. 10. Fake wrestlers. Hey, that's not Scott Hall. That's hey, But they tried to convince us that it was Scott almost Hall? kind of Scott Hall. That's not Scott Hall. Why did why would they put forth so Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, they leave WWE for guaranteed monies and W Steve W Steve W W C W guaranteed money. Um, and 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 Vince McMahon has the gall, mm. the audacity. Mm. To put new people in those gimmicks and try it kind of like half-assed, convince us they're the same people while at the same time being completely transparent with the fact that they're not the same people. Okay, let me ask you this. Because there, there, is, there is a previous uh, fake wrestler. Now, it's one thing to take. So, for like example, Sin Cara. There have been at least two people uh, that have uh, portrayed the Sin Cara character. A little bit different. Dude under a mask. Uh, suicide over there in TNA. Oh, there's like 15 different suicides. There's a ton of them. Uh, One of the more high-profile fake wrestlers, though, 
uh, came during a storyline in 1994. Yeah, Undertaker. Fake Undertaker portrayed, I believe, by Prime, prime time. time Brian Lee. Yes. Brian Lee, exactly. Real Undertaker got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I guess they thought it was a great idea to have Prime Time Brian Lee portray Undertaker with like a Phantom of the Opera type mask on to cover his identity because he looks nothing like, <laughs> nothing like Mark Calloway. Right, right. That didn't stop him in this scenario. <laughs> Um, uh, and then so that led to a match between Undertaker and Undertaker main event of SummerSlam 94 terrible match lost like 8 minutes real Undertaker wins but here's the thing but the precedent was set I guess they thought it was enough of a success that they could put forward the idea that uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel came back to WWE after showing up in WCW so here's the deal I kind of understood, I kind of understand, looking back at 1994, Yeah, Undertaker's on the shelf, let's kick off this storyline where an imposter comes in, and then they have to fight, and you could say there might have been, because of the supernatural aspect of the Undertaker, maybe this was sort of, I mean, they never really explained, like, even in storyline, who the heck this fake guy was. I don't think, maybe they did, I don't know. Uh, In this case, though, two high-profile wrestlers who were, you know, when people were into Diesel, they were, let's face it, they were into Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. That's what they cared about. They didn't care about the facade. They didn't care about the gimmick. They cared about truck. the man behind the gimmick, not the truck, <laughs> the person driving the right. truck. In the case of Razor Ramon, granted, there was more character there than in, say, just Scott Hall, but Scott Hall made that character. He even brought the Scarface accent yeah. to the table. Yeah. And Vince McMahon didn't realize that it was something else. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, uh, cultured Vince McMahon is in, in cinema, in Brian De Palma films, Larson. Not sure. But evidently not very. Something tells me he might have seen Scarface at one point. He just didn't realize. Maybe. That, yeah, that could be. Uh, in any event, uh, upon leaving the WWF in the summer of 1996, uh, WWF, uh, maybe uh, embittered by this. We, we never really got to really watch a couple like well, it, shoot interviews. You remember segments. when uh, Hogan and Macho Man left? They had the the Huckster and the Nacho Man. As a way to poke, poke yeah. at them. Yeah. So the precedent been set. They will do this out of spite. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I do think in this case... So when the fake Undertaker showed up, I don't think there was any idea. I don't think there was any like, oh, hey... Uh, this is fake Undertaker, you know, we could possibly roll with this guy for the rest of his days. Yeah. Uh, there is Undertaker's coming back at some point. This will set up a cool match. Might be a cool storyline. Well, cool for 1994. Right, for 1994, uh, which wrestling was hardly that in 1994. No. Uh, in this case, it really does feel like if the people behind the gimmicks got over, if the, if, if they were reintroduced – they would have kept using them. That's what it really felt. There was no indication that this had a shelf life beyond what was acceptable by the fans. Yeah. Which immediately was none of it. I mean, it's blatantly obvious. It wasn't Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, so why would people buy into it? And they tried to have it both ways. Yeah. So upon debuting in September of 1996, uh, the fake Razor Ramon uh, brought to the co- brought to the company by Heel Jr., which was just completely not uh, appropriate for him. Uh, he shows up, and uh, uh, Gorilla Monsoon is on commentary. And I think was it like Kevin Kelly was who? Maybe well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was Kevin, Kevin Kelly on it was commentary. Kevin Kelly, yeah, they were they were both like this. Clearly is not this. Clearly is not 
uh, the real Hall. Razor Ramon. Yeah. Well, I mean, when Diesel shows up, says, "No, that's I think was it Krillis says that's clearly not Kevin Nash." Right. So that was put forward. However, over the next few weeks, as they were competing in matches, they simply they stopped. They stopped. The facade was originally sort of, you know, brought out into the open. It was like, hey, this isn't the real thing. But then that stopped and they just sort of let it go. They just let it happen. Like, yeah. okay, well, they're here now. These are our gimmicks. We own them. Yeah. We're going to continue you to know, use them. I wonder part of it, and this is speculation, and I don't know if there's any truth behind any of it, but I'll say it nonetheless because that's what we do here. Of course. Based so, on speculation. So when Scott Hall showed up on WCW, what did he say? You know who I am. And you don't know why I'm here. In kind of the Razor Ramon accent. Oh, in the very Razor Ramon yeah. accent. Yeah. And so the implication was, hi, I'm not Scott Hall. It's, hi, I'm Razor Ramon. I came here from WWF. WCW got sued for Yes. Yeah. And I wonder if part of the reason WWE did this, or WWF at the time did this, was to say, here, this is the intellectual property right here that they're violating. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I doubt that they thought about that much, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's like here. This, the, these are the characters they're trying to portray on a competing product. Mm-hmm. These are our characters. They should not be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I mean, I, that, that might have been part of it. Um, I think just pure unthinking spite is probably oh, that's tops on the list because they have a vast <laughs> yeah. tape library. They can take to the courtroom and say, "Hey, this is the characters they were portraying. They went to WCW yeah. and they were doing more of the same thing. That they can't do that." I like the idea that instead of consulting copyright lawyers or just his own attorneys there at Titan Sports, um, you know, hey, are we on solid ground? And he's like, "Ah, we got to get these characters out there so that they continue to be ours." Yeah, we're on solid legal ground. You know, lawyers probably just like, "You don't need to do that." We own the trademarks. Yeah, 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 but I really want to stick it to them. <laughs> this is a really bad way to stick it to them. Uh, you think Scott Hall would be anything without Razor Ramon? No, people love Razor Ramon. They don't care about Scott Hall. Oh, my creation. Uh, and so, so, yeah, it didn't last long, though. They Well, actually, I'll be honest with you. It lasted, lasted six months. way longer than it should have. Uh, so they lasted actually from September, late September of 1996. They lasted all the way to January 97. Yeah, that's about four September, months. October, November, December, January. It's like three and a half months that they lasted, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. It's given... way too long. It's about a month and a half. Way too long. <laughs> it really was. Uh, then they got kicked over in. So we we sort of understood from a previous episode of this. We did USWA at the time was kind of. Uh, WWE's uh, version of NXT. Yeah, kind of a developmental. Kind of a developmental. And so uh, then after that, after the Rumble, uh, so uh, Rick Bognar, the guy who portrayed Scott Hall, uh, mm-hmm. Razor, Razor Ramon, Ramon. Oh, sorry. Razor Ramon. He was eliminated. Uh, he had the quickest, I think maybe first elimination, something either the quickest or the first elimination in that year's Rumble. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but uh, Big Daddy, the Diesel. Glenn Jacobs. Kane. Kane. Uh, he was uh, like the last legally eliminated man in the 1997 Rumble. That was the year uh, Stone Cold. Stone Cold won, yes. Yeah. Uh, and so they ended up going back down to, to USWA as those characters uh, for about three months till April. Then they had a loser leaves town match, which I believe resulted in both losers leaving the town. Uh, I'm sorry, both participants leaving the town. Yeah, because uh, Rick Bognar went over to Japan and wrestled there. He left, uh, and then Diesel was not seen again. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, I think, came back the next week, 
as a character, I believe, called Doomsday, mm-hmm. which they then transitioned into Kane. Kane, yeah, yeah by exactly. the end of 97, or by the summer of 97. Right. Um, he was Kane, yeah. And now he's a big-time politician there. Well, he's the mayor of Knox County in Tennessee. Knox County, Tennessee. Big, big, big things for fake diesel. I will say that Kane probably had a better jackknife powerbomb than Kevin Nash did, though. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. He was actually a better diesel than real diesel. Yeah, he had more frank. moves. Yeah. But he didn't have Kevin Nash's cooler than cool attitude. No. Nobody really has that. Very few people. Definitely not in 1996. Are as cool as Kevin Nash. I can think of a couple today. Well, Finn Balor. Yeah. For sure. Maybe Aleister Black. Yeah. But he's still, Nash is probably still top five in the wrestling industry. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Very cool. Could be. Number nine. Nine. Bray Wyatt, man. So Bray made his main roster debut along with the rest of the Wyatt family, July 8th, 2012. And you could tell they instantly had high hopes for these characters because they were featured in prominent roles on Raw, given a lot of TV time. Bray got to do a lot of uh, promos from his rocking chair, um, feuding with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan early on. Um, In fact, uh, the Wyatt family brought Daniel Bryan into the family for a while. Um, of course, there was that, that incredible moment where Daniel Bryan frees himself from the mind control of Bray Wyatt in that cage match on Raw. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Um, unzips his jumpsuit, has his ring gear underneath. Mm-hmm. Fantastic moment. He was, also got concussed during that match. Yeah, immediately when they debuted, just as a fan watching, you could tell this is something big. It was something different, too. Yeah. It was different. It felt a lot more interesting than a lot of the mm-hmm. other creative that was going on at the time. And it felt like it could really go somewhere if done correctly. Yeah. And it, early on, it seemed like the, they're placing, you know, doing the steps uh, uh, for that to happen because Bray Wyatt beat Daniel Bryan at the Rumble um, the year Daniel Bryan wasn't even in the Rumble. Of course, Daniel Bryan eventually made his way to the main event of WrestleMania 30 anyways. Um, Bray uh, and the, the Wyatt family uh, interfered in John Cena's W title uh, match against Randy Orton mm-hmm. at the Rumble that year, costing him the match, setting up uh, the program between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. And it was a really interesting feud. Yeah. Leading yeah, into WrestleMania 30 because Bray was like, uh, John Cena is a huge fraud. Um, you know, there's a monster within him that uh, I'm going to unleash, mm-hmm. essentially. And that story played out wonderfully during the match at WrestleMania 30 up until the finish. Yeah. And there's this one moment where, where Cena has a chair in his hand. And he has to make the decision whether he's going to win the battle or win the war. Whether he wins the match via chair. Well, Cena wins everything. Um, yeah, that's what ultimately happened. <laughs> Instead, he won everything. Battle and war. Yeah, battle and war. <laughs> um, and and it, was, it really did a disservice to Bray as a character. He should have broken Cena at that moment. Mm-hmm. That way, Bray could have still he could have lost the match, but his overall message would have had a lot more merit. It would have been Cena's most devastating win. Like yes. ever, it should have yes. been. He should have come out the next night and been like, I got the win, but there was nothing satisfying about yeah. it. You know, he made me question who I am. And then he just move on. And then he just move on. Like he's a broken man. Mm-hmm. He has to find his redemption somewhere else or whatever. Maybe you come back well, this around is what, to this it later what happened Because the, the way the feud progressed, so Bray loses his first match clean, which sucked. Sucked. So they had a, a match, a cage match, the following pay-per-view, which Bray won. Mm-hmm, yeah. And that's when there was the, I think the creepy kid came. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. I remember that the Ambrose feud. No, I think it was the Cena one. Um, he won that match. Mm-hmm. And then you could have had it progress that way still, say, except have Bray win the Mania match. Um, 
than have Cena lose at the following pay-per-view in the cage match, and that's rock bottom for Cena. Yeah. So not only is, 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 is he like morally defeated, psychologically weakened, mm-hmm. he has been physically defeated too. Yeah. And then the next one is the last man standing match at the following pay-per-view, which Cena won. You can still have the story progress the same. It's okay to have Cena ultimately come out and head the feud, yeah. but Cena, as we said several times about Bray Wyatt, if you feud with Bray, you should come out of that feud as a changed man. Yes. And that would be an interesting way to add some more dimension to John Cena's character, have him feud with Bray Wyatt. It would be huge for Bray to get a couple huge wins over John Cena yeah, yeah, and yeah. potentially alter the course of John Cena's career. Mm-hmm. would have been massive. Mm-hmm. Instead, none of that happened. No. John Cena beat him in the last man standing match, and John Cena was the same. Bray Wyatt was the same. And it's been, kind of been rinse and repeat throughout Bray Wyatt's career. Yeah. He'll get into a feud, ultimately lose it, and it seemed like the feud didn't matter. The problem is, with Bray Wyatt especially, you need very concrete motivation for him to be effective. And far too often, I would say for every one thing they do right with him, there are five feuds that he has that just have no direction, no motivation. And I understand that wrestling boils down to who wins and who's and who loses, good guy versus bad guy. But with Bray Wyatt, you have the opportunity to do something much more complex and much more interesting, mm-hmm. and, and and deal with all these these other themes, and uh, and you know the shades of gray, yes, and uh, and the fact that he has supernatural powers. You really need to explore that more. Well, the one time they did, it manifested itself in him just projecting images of flies and stuff in the ring. So he had a Correct. decent feud with Dean Ambrose through the summer of I think twenty thirteen. Did my math right? I think so. Between Mania 30 and 31. Mm-hmm. That was a decent feud where he actually came out on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was all to kind of build him up to have a feud against Undertaker going to WrestleMania 31. Mm-hmm. And Undertaker, I believe, made one appearance in advance of this match. That was terrible, yeah. Maybe one appearance. It was all just Bray posing with, like, Undertaker museum items. I'm the new face of fear. Yeah. That was his thing. Which yeah. is a great catchphrase. Yeah. He would like hang out with coffins, with caskets rather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'd hang out with like urns. Yeah. Yeah. And he was having to carry this whole thing. Yeah. Tro- and yeah. then the match wasn't very good and then he lost. Yeah. And like, like Taker about- just lost last year. The luster's already off this win streak. Just have Bray win. Like at that point, just transition Undertaker to MMA old guy. Yeah. And then let Bray Wyatt be the new Undertaker. Yeah. Like the, the supernatural guy who like, everybody's yeah, yeah, scared yeah, yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But no, that didn't happen. Um, and then uh, he kind of went in and out of various feuds for the next year or so. And then uh, during the whole Triple H Roman feud, they had that one moment where the crowd popped. Triple H with that WWE title. Bray comes in with the family, rubs his finger across that belt. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. yeah, still get goosebumps thinking about it. I know, it was great. That was such a great moment. Uh, Bray, though, apparently hurt his back. Uh, he didn't compete at the following Mania. Instead, uh, the Wyatt family got absolutely buried by The Rock and John Cena. It was terrible. Um, he did finally win the title at Elimination Chamber 2017, only to lose it to a boring face, Randall Orton at Mania. At this point, Bray is supposed to be imbued with satanic powers, which manifested them in themselves by, you know, projecting images that are supposed to be gross on the ring. Yeah, but they also... It was just did, mostly bugs. They also did that cool House of Horrors match. Well, I would say it was cool. It was more interesting than their Mania match. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Anyways, that feud didn't really end very well because Bray was shipped over to Raw before their blow-off. The yeah. House of Horrors match. Yeah, At least Bray right. won that match. That's right. Thanks to Ginger Mahal. Um, then he feuded with Finn Balor that summer. They were supposed to have a blow-off um, at TLC that year, um, but there was uh, some illness going through the locker room. 
Bray got it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when they were doing the sis- like Sister Abigail persona for Bray. Mm-hmm. Um, that never came to happen, and they just kind of forgot about that feud. He feuded with Matt Hardy for a while before they formed a tag team, and he's basically been off TV ever since Matt went to rehab his back injuries. Yeah. There, there, I will contend, still, there's a lot of money left on the table with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. They had handled his creative... Uh, properly from the very beginning, yeah, he would be a huge, 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 huge star right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, we did get to see him recently on the Edge and Christian show in a very, very funny segment uh, where he uh, he takes a midwife a, right takes up a second career as a midwife. Uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think there's lots of money uh, to be made with Bray Wyatt. Still to this day, I think that his personality is so strong. That, and the character is so strong that he can still withstand all this and uh, still be, you know, a viable contender if, mm-hmm. if they want to start pushing him as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Moving on. Number eight. Eight. The Brawl for All. Another hey, great idea. Uh, so we have this industry that's predicated on uh, predetermined on fights, predetermined outcomes to fights, to choreograph fights. So why don't we take that aspect of it, which is crucial, crucial to maintaining uh, the, the facade of all these characters. And let's just take that away. Let's have them actually go in there and fight. But we also want to dictate who's going to win these real fights. Or at least who's ultimately going to win the last fight. Right, exactly. It's all the idea, or primarily, primarily the idea of one Vince Russo. Mm-hmm. Brawl for All was his brain child. True. Yeah, it lasted from June 29th, 1998 to August 24th of 98. And then the uh, the winner of Brawl for All, which was a tournament uh, with real boxing-style matches. Yeah, there was rounds. There, rounds were scored. Was it MMA or boxing? Just, it was, I think it was more so boxing. Because, I mean, MMA is like... Yeah. It's boxing plus it was stuff. Set, uh, yeah, I know. I think it was just supposed to be like an amalgam. It yeah. supposed to be fighting, I guess. <laughs> it's brawling. It was just they were supposed to brawl. Yeah, but then you don't have Dan Severin. Oh, Dan Severin was supposed to be in the beginning. Wasn't. Ken Shamrock wasn't in it. So, I mean, the crazy thing is, like, and I don't know. I don't know if, if Ken Shamrock... Like, could you imagine if the final ended up being Ken Shamrock and Dan Severin? That'd been huge. That'd have been pretty crazy. That'd yeah. been really huge. Yeah, that'd been that'd been nuts. And then apparently they wanted a Doctor Death, Steve Williams. They signed him, brought him in to the company to win this, and he was knocked out. And then if he he was supposed to win it and go on and and take on Stone Cold, the champion, like the biggest thing in wrestling, he was supposed to be a viable opponent for Stone mm-hmm. Cold. And this is supposed to be the kickstart of all that. Instead, they put him in a situation where, uh, you know, who did he fight in the brawl for all? I think it was Bart Gunn. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Where with one punch, you could be completely exposed. <laughs> right. And that's what happened. Yeah. And uh, I think JBL said no one had any idea that Bart Gunn would be that good. <laughs> Which turns out he was really, really yeah, good. Well, until he fought a real trained fighter. <laughs> lasted right. 36 seconds against Butterbean. <laughs> oh, man. This yeah. tournament did do anybody any favors. It didn't do Except it. they could have with Bart Gunn if they didn't have him fight no, Butterbean. No, you know what? It did actually because then Bart Gunn took that, the brawl for all, and went, went to, to Japan, Japan and had, had a good career. Decent there. career, that's true. So, I mean, it actually did help him quite a bit, but it didn't do it. And, like, if you take the one, the one pro that it helped Bart Gunn in Japan, and then you weigh that with all the cons. I mean, it pretty much led to the end of Dr. Death's career. Yeah, pretty much. He hurt yeah. himself. Yeah. There was that. I mean, I guess JBL did okay afterwards, but I think I, I read somewhere that a vast majority of the field was out of the company within a couple of years of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was gone. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is what we need to do our next tape trade series on if we take it direct to Patreon. We kind of just do one by one brawl. Brawl for all. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a good one. We could do a couple per episode because most of the matches are pretty. Because like so many of the matches too, it's like it's yeah. just bad fumbling around fighting, and they go to decision, and it's yeah. boring. I remember watching this all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just boring, horrible, bad boxing. Yeah, people just throwing punches wildly, not connecting. The funny thing is, so like the idea itself is kind of fascinating. Until you re- until you just really think about it, which they didn't do. It's now, like, if they if they do something like this, already interrupt you, rather than do some sort of uh, mutant boxing USC type deal, what if Vince Russo had seen like Pancrase and said, "Okay, let's do a fighting thing where we'll use uh, to a certain extent pro wrestling moves in a shoot fashion." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The risk of injury is exceptionally high, as you've seen from any Minoru Suzuki yeah. Pancrase compilation. Yeah. So I mean that they'll they put some limits to protect the the talents, but something more like that would seem more in the wheelhouse of many of these wrestlers as opposed to a boxing match. You know, you know what they should have done is just instead of brawl for all, just have like a shoot softball match. Oh, Sid like, would have won. Like two, well, yeah, whoever has Sid on his team. Yeah. I'm not talking about like one-on-one softball. He can't really do that. Well, it's just, it's just that's batting practice. Like d- divide the locker room up into all the tough guys in the locker room, divide them up into two, mm-hmm. and there you go. Mm. But, yeah, no, it'll be fun to watch those again. Yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Number seven. Seven. WrestleMania nine. Well, I think this is more of a larger thing where you have this new generation that Vince apparently really wants to do. He wants to phase out what you know made WWE WWF popular in the eighties and focus on younger talent. However, the transition was bumpy to say the least. Oh yeah. Um, of course, you know we, we've heard about Macho Man wanting to get in the elongated program with with uh, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Two year storyline eventually mm-hmm. put him over. Um, Really would have done a lot. I mean, not that Shawn Michaels had any difficulty getting to the top of the card in his career. Yeah. But uh, having that feud under his belt would have been something else. Yeah. And then you talk specifically about the finish WrestleMania 9 where Hogan just did not want to put over Bret Hart 
again, more or less on his way out the door yeah. because he didn't feel like he was legit. The transition to the new generation was uh, ill-executed, to say the least. I think that's really what the entry is, is the execution of the new generation. I mean, because typically what you do is, if, is when people are on their way out, they put over the, mm-hmm. the, the, the incoming or the new talent. That's just kind of how it works. You use the popular... It makes total sense. You use popular, well-known wrestlers to, uh, to get over, mm-hmm. um, to lose to up-and-coming wrestlers who have a bit of a... Bret Hart was a well-established wrestler at this point. Shawn Michaels was a well-established wrestler at this Undertaker point. Undertaker also was Undertaker, more or less a well-established well wrestler. Well-established. And uh, it's kind of striking to see, like, WrestleMania nine. Just how many people that were at WrestleMania nine by the following WrestleMania, even by SummerSlam, maybe were were gone from the company. Um, like you know, Hogan left in June. Um, I don't Beefcake n- probably left around then too. I would yeah. suspect since he and Hogan were so close at the time. Yeah, but talk um, about talk about specifically the ending because uh, I want right. to look this up really. Sure. Quick. Uh, so the main event of the show was supposed to be. Uh, Rumble winner Yokozuna taking on Bret Hart for the WWF title. Um, they had a match. Uh, Yokozuna uh, cheated to win. And uh, Hogan comes out to protest this injustice perpetrated onto Bret Hart. And how does he undo this injustice? He gets him, himself a title match. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately wins the WWF title to close the show. Now, according to Bret Hart, he was supposed to he was supposed to finally wrestle and beat Hulk Hogan at SummerSlam, and then of course we saw what happened a month or two months before SummerSlam. Hulk Hogan just decided to leave. Yeah, he did not want to put over Bret for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just seemed like if you want to really establish this new generation of talent, um, give them that aura of legitimacy, they probably need to carry forward. Uh, you know, in this new era, you need the old guard to pass the torch. Mm-hmm. And that never really happened. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at WrestleMania nine versus SummerSlam, which obviously happened about four months later. Um, let's see here. I mean Ted DiBiase was still there. It's probably better to look at nine and ten mm-hmm. in terms of a direct side by side, but obviously Hogan wasn't there. I mean <laughs> that's funny. Well, SummerSlam? Oh, that's funny. I didn't know uh Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez had a rematch oh, yeah. at that SummerSlam. Yeah. That's funny. How long how long was that match? That was an oh, it was an eight minute match. Oh man. Wow. They really went Iron Man with that, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> but uh but yeah. I mean that was sort of the big thing. It's like, okay, Brett's gonna be your next big thing. He's gonna be your guy who's gonna t- you know, talk about an awkward passing of the torch. You know, it was just uh, not great. Not a great way to do it. Basically non-existent. Yeah. Number six. Six. The anonymous Raw general manager. So this debuted June 21st, 2010 on Raw, unveiled by Vince after he fired Bret Hart, who was the previous general manager. Mm -hmm. And as we saw so many times, the sound from... Your iPhone would ring through the arena. Michael Cole would step to the podium and read an email from the anonymous Raw general manager on a laptop that was stationed mm-hmm. on said podium. Um, uh, and it, this just kind of carried on for a year, more or less, just for no reason. And like none of it, like if you were actually to try to put the pieces together in terms of 
who was the uh, the clues they allegedly left? It was uh, there was literally literally like ruled out everybody. Yeah, there was nobody. It could be. I know Kevin Nash said at one point he was supposed to be mm-hmm. the anonymous, and I think he was in TNA when they asked him, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And like his contract was going to be up soon or something like that. And uh, but it, it never panned out. Mm-mm. But like I guess maybe early on. I mean, it's I don't want to go back and retrace every decision the anonymous general manager made. But like the decisions would have pointed maybe to him. And then at a certain point when they just had zero idea, they just used it for whatever convenient thing they wanted to use it, whether it was heel or face Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. There was zero consistency because they simply didn't know what they were going to do. And then the the Namath Raw GM returned in July of 2012 when it was revealed that Hornswoggle was the Namath Raw GM. This whole time, apparently, uh, Kevin Eck, used to be a WB writer, um, said, there, you know, as was plainly obvious, they had no idea who the anonymous Raw General Manager was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hornswoggle was suggested as a joke because he was uh, Vince's uh, illegitimate son. Yeah. And yeah. Wow, did that storyline go over well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, WWE, it's funny because they'll do these things. They'll, like, set up mysteries like uh you know like you said the the vince's illegitimate son thing um these sort of soap opera-esque mysteries uh and uh they they almost never work out i mean one in one instance just this past summer it worked out it was pretty cool the al who who killed alistair black (laughs) who killed him who you know attacked different for that one that was on nxt not in exactly though exactly though um, and they probably knew from the very beginning who the attacker was going to be. They did. I, I guarantee you they followed did. through on that. I guarantee you they did. And with WWE, they'll launch themselves into these storylines. And they time and time again, they just they 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 never get the gist. They don't know. They they don't they don't do that well. No. Um, Try as they might. But I think we're kind of out of that era of goofiness. Oh, I, hope so. I hope so. Although we just had the. Uh, the Jason Jordan Kurt Angle storyline. Oh my God, that's right, we did. So, oh, that was terrible. Not sure we're out of that yet. Yeah. Number five. Five. Katie oh, Vick. Dear. So, as we mentioned in the previous century, WWE is no stranger to soap opera esque storylines. The aforementioned Vince's illegitimate son thing, which uh, ended up being Hornswoggle, but I know for a time it was supposed to be. Uh, one of the more obvious answers, which was Mr. Kennedy. Um, I think they, they actually addressed that on television too. They addressed that what? Kennedy was was and then wasn't uh, Vince's illegitimate son. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't remember that. Um, what like during the storyline? Yeah, I think so. I know that they. I know that Vince had like had like. They, I remember there was a lineup of people that were supposedly possible suspects for being his son. And Vince was going past each one. And I think he came to Mr. Kennedy and then they were like, no, nope, it's not you. And then they get laying on Hornswoggle or something. But, uh, but yeah, but anyways, the worst of all these and the one that actually caused like a stain on the WWE for years afterwards was the Katie Vick Storyline. Now, this website, iwnerd.com, has an article. Oh, sorry. I guess at one point, Mr. Kennedy claimed that he was. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Anyway, sorry. Continue. So this, uh, I'll I'll post the link in the description. They have a pretty good uh, breakdown. It actually only lasted 
about three weeks. There's no mention here of that uh, interview that Triple H did after the video where he was watching the video with whoever was interviewing him and laughing about it. Oh, okay. Remember that? We watched that together. Yeah, we watched that. Uh, so on the October 7th, 2002 episode of Raw, I'm taking this directly from this article, uh, Triple H takes out Kane's tag team partner, The Hurricane, backstage. Uh, this left Kane alone to defend his tag team titles in the main event. He's able to win the match, but he's interrupted by Triple H, who claims he knows Kane's secret. And he asks him if the name Katie Vick rings a bell. Now, I kind of remember watching live and remembering, oh, God, they're doing something stupid right now. Because whenever they come up with this made-up name and, oh, let's explore your past. And on top of that, it's with Kane, who's supposed to be a demon from hell. Um, so anyways, so yeah, Triple, Triple H. H claims that years, 10 years prior, Kane killed her and he calls him a murderer. In the following week, Kane drops a promo giving his side to Triple H's story. Says uh, he went out, with, he went out with, one night with Katie to a party. She had too much to drink. He drove her home. An animal got in front of the car. He swerved off the road. Um, Kane suffered a broken arm. However, Katie was killed instantly. But he said it was an accident. Um, and then Triple H comes out and says, no, Kane, you were drinking that night too. Um, and he's, this is terrible. And then Triple H says that there was an autopsy and found Kane semen. <sighs> Inside of her. Yeah. And that Kane was in love with her. Yeah. And then a week after that, Triple H showed some video footage of Katie Vick's funeral. I think that was the thing. I think that was maybe the backstage thing where they come back from it and Triple H is watching the TV with the interview. I didn't know if that was in the same week or a different week. I think that was the same time. So he shows video footage. It's Triple H wearing a cane mask and then he proceeds to fornicate. Have sex with the body. Um, He... uh, uh, (laughs) And he says... He, he says, I did it. I can't believe I did it. I screwed your brains out. And they cut to him, and he's laughing about it. Well, he's, And then he pulls up like some fake brains yeah, yeah, from, yeah. The head, from the fake head. Gosh. And then they cut back to him, and he's cracked up. Which was the funniest part of the whole thing. The, idea that the character Triple H would find this hilarious. It's actually kind of funny. Um, so anyways. Uh, a week went by. Uh, WB got a lot of... A lot of shit. A lot of complaints. Heard the storyline, and I guess they decided to double down on it instead. Triple H um, brought a mannequin down to the ring, a mannequin of Katie, um, and then started uh, uh, insulting fans for taking offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurricane comes down, um, shows some footage where from a hospital or something, a person wearing a Triple H mask is removing or having uh, items removed from their rear end. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this makes Triple H mad. He attacks the Katie Vick mannequin. Kane comes down, and uh, uh, Eric Bischoff un, uh, makes a casket match as main event that episode of Raw. Um, turns out Shawn Michaels is inside the casket. He helps Kane win, and then I guess this, this was used to further the Triple H sh- uh, Shawn, Mi- Shawn Michaels feud. Yeah. And the whole thing with Kane just dithered away. Fizzled away. Um, so, yeah. And then ever since then, like, ever, you know, a lot of people point that as. You know, one of the creative low marks in WWE's. It was, it was really history. bad. It was really, really bad. Really bad. Uh, but, you know, WWE, they, they're prone to do that from time to time. Oh, have yes. a real A real stinker. Oh, yeah. One of those writers will get an idea, or Vince will get an idea, and they'll run with it. And, and it'll be awful. It'll be awful. Awful. Uh, 
Enter Baron Corbin. <laughs> Number four. Four. The Nexus. Man, Larson, we've got this great crop of young talent who are making a name for themselves. They got a cool logo. Let's push them to the moon. They got a well-spoken, charismatic leader in Wade Barrett. Yep. Great yep. promo guy. Tons of charisma. They have Ryback. They, well, for a day, they had Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Heath Slater. Yeah. Darren Young. Mm -hmm. uh, David Otunga. Now, this was a really, really, really clever way to uh, debut a new crop of talent. Of course, there was the NXT... Uh, show which at the time that was when it was a, it was a competition uh, show, it was yeah. A competition show, so you had rookies and their mentors or their pros, whatever, yeah. And uh, and you know, season one goes down, and so you know, the WWE universe who's like more hardcore because that aired on USA, I think, sci fi. So, oh, sci fi, okay, you replaced ECW, so people would watch it, and so they kind of knew who these guys were, and then all of a sudden they show up. On Raw, June well, sorry, 7th. The idea of, of the NXT was they have all these competitors. Only one would win a WWE contract. Mm, and that right. was Wade Barrett. He yeah. won season one. And then the idea was that everybody else was on their own. Mm, yeah. So June 7th, 2010, uh, faction, uh, sorry, all the contestants sort of banded together as a faction. They're all having this. They have this N logo on their shirts. They come out during this John Cena CM Punk match, and they just destroy everything and it is a fantastic sight it's exciting it's energetic the crowd is stunned daniel bryan literally chokes the ring announcer what's his name justin, justin roberts. roberts and i guess he spit on john cena too mm, ooh. yeah he was he was let go after that yeah he was let go until SummerSlam uh for that one um and uh and then the the, the camera just faded to black there was no commentary it was just kind of disturbing. It was really, yeah, really yeah, cool. It was pretty neat. It was a really great way to uh, to, to get this going. Uh, they feuded with John Cena. The Nexus did throughout the summer of 2010. Um, Cena at one point had was forced to join the Nexus. That was after the SummerSlam match. Oh, though. that's right. That's right. So you had Nexus versus Team WB match at SummerSlam, uh, where originally Wade Barrett was supposed to go over. Yeah. Nexus was supposed to win. I guess Cena uh, decided he didn't want to do that. So he talked to Vince. Ending was changed. Now, according to Wade Barrett, who was recently on a live, uh, they do Inside the Ropes does those yeah, yeah, yeah. live tours uh, or those live shows, and Wade Barrett was on one on one of them. Uh, Stu Bennett, mm -hmm. and uh, he gave his rundown. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I just we all knew the ending. You know, in the lead up, you know, Nexus supposed to go over, making a bunch of big stars, and then uh, we get there day of, and uh, I'm told by I think it was." Arn that sounds right. Uh, that they've changed the ending that they're going to, or that he just tells them the ending and Cena goes over. And uh, so uh, Justin Gabriel and Wade Barrett try to track Vince down. They do. And he explains them. Yeah. Cena's going to win this. Um, and so uh, they kind of just speculated. Yeah. Cena just, he, he you know, he said, Cena wins now. Yeah. Um, so after that, it just it took the it took the wind out of yes. the Nexus. It really did. And they tried to keep the storyline going. They did have Cena join the Nexus after he lost to Wade Barrett at Hell in a Cell. But like the whole time, especially between SummerSlam and when Nexus kind of fizzled out into two different factions, there was just constant infighting. Yeah, yeah. You just you knew. Like guess after SummerSlam, you just kind of knew. Even though like the Cena Nexus stuff was kind of fun uh, after SummerSlam. It, again, you're just focusing solely on John Cena. I know, and that's and the, the whole point at that point was just have John Cena dispatch of these bad guys, 
and as opposed to let's build them into something really cool. So, you know, you had Daniel Bryan get fired after their initial appearance, um, and then he comes back on SummerSlam and joins Team WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryback breaks his ankle, I think. Yeah. He's out for a couple years. Yeah. So you have him out, and then, oh, shoot, someone else got hurt too. Mm-hmm. So there's injury problems. And then storyline-wise, there's all sorts of infighting. Um, and then uh, Cena literally buried Wade Barrett under 16 chairs to win the TLC match between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, which led to Barrett being kicked out of the Nexus. Yeah. And so you had the Nexus splinter into two groups. He had the core, which featured basically half the Nexus, led by Wade Barrett. And he had the new Nexus, led by CM Punk. Which was simply a vehicle for CM Punk to do way cooler things, which he did. If you'll recall, he was wearing the Nexus armband, I think, during his pipe, pipe bomb. bomb. Yep. And then very shortly after that, he just disassociated. Yep. It just fizzled out. So, uh, so yeah, but it kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, Wade Barrett, man, he was a star in the making. And then uh, after that, and then after, you know, a lot of different things with him, it was just kind of obvious that I wasn't going to work out with him in the WWE, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. I really mm-hmm. liked him. I thought he was great. Yeah, he had a lot of potential. He, you know, he had some, you know, not that there's ever a good time for an injury, but about three instances where – he was in the midst of a decent push and got hurt, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, he would get hurt, but also like you know, it it just it just wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like this bad news Barrett thing. That was cool. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Number three. Three. Roman Reigns. This is the biggest creative blunder, certainly of the modern era. Yeah, it's up there for sure. Um, it, here's the thing. I've, it's, it's amazing to see somebody want, like Vince wants somebody to get pushed so much and yet take it for literally almost four years, for three years at least, almost every wrong move oh, yes. available oh, yes. they make. Yep. Um, and here's the thing. Crazy thing about Roman Reigns is that fans totally want. Look, it's different now. Obviously, uh, he's battling leukemia. He's going to get whenever he does return, and I hope he does. He's going to get like an amazing response, mm-hmm. and and they will give him a very long honeymoon 
But eventually, if they if they continue to get his creative wrong again, once he comes back, the same thing is going to happen. Um, it's kind of crazy. The Shield were a massively successful, very popular oh, group. Super over and during the Rumble in 2014 when Reigns was still a member of Shield, mm-hmm. the one Daniel Bryan wasn't in. Yeah. If he had won that Rumble, because he had a heck of a performance, he limited like 12 people or something like yeah. that. Yeah. If he had won that Rumble, the crowd would have popped. Yeah. The crazy thing is, um, now you can, I've literally like sort of noted every major beat here between uh, uh, the, the Shields breaking up. For example, we can take that in the first place. Now, granted, it did lead to a really fun Seth Rollins mm-hmm. run. But you have often noted if they had simply run with Reigns turning on the group and being the plan B. Yeah. You know, what? one thing we know from history is that really, really strong heel uh, runs can easily transition into a very, very effective face turn. Yep. Um, in this case... Instead, of, we got it with Seth Rollins. Well, another issue with that too was is was the few that happened immediately, pretty much following Seth turning on the Shield was not Seth Reigns; it was Seth Ambrose. It was Seth Ambrose, exactly. Um, and it was it was striking in that between the summer of 2014 when the Shield broke up, and then just six seven months later at the Rumble 2015, the fans were super savvy with just how much. Roman Reigns was being shoved down our throats. He would win time after time after time. He was immediately inserted into main event after main event after main event and in the most boring way possible. He never had any real form of struggle between the summer of 14 and the Rumble 2015, which of course led to him winning the Rumble 2015. That was the one where he won after taking a long snooze after being taken out by the League of Nations, by the League of Nations, and even that Rumble match alone, look, you can you can have a guy who people are super against, and in the course of one Rumble, if they come out early and they last a really long time and they do a lot of cool stuff, by the end of that match, the crowd will be oh, behind that. Sorry, person. no, Rumble 2015 is not when he got laid out. That was 2016. That was the Triple H one where he got laid out. 2015, he won. Okay, okay, so he got laid out. Okay, he got 2016 by League of Nations. Okay, yeah. okay, all right, all right. 2015. I thought the one that he won was there. Okay, okay. I, I don't have it on the top of my head, but I'm sure he didn't have that great of a performance in 2015. Carry on. I'll, I'll look. I'll all right. Look. So, anyways, 2015. Regardless of what happened uh, at the end, even The Rock showing up with Roman Reigns didn't help him. Well, here's another thing, another issue that, that hampered him during that time yeah. is that Vince was running him a bunch of horrible promos. Oh, and that that's right. That was, I was trying to remember like all the stuff that... So he came out at 19. 19, the last about a half hour, eliminated six people. Okay. He had the most eliminations. Right. Uh, he wasn't the Iron Man. That was Bray Wyatt. Mm. But he had a strong showing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just assuming that the writing was just so on the wall with him. I'm trying to remember exactly how it turned so bad for him so quickly. Um, well, you know, we, we I kind of remember the time you'd hear week after week, day after day reports, oh, Vince is really intent on pushing Roman Reigns. And a lot of wrestling fans today are more well-informed and savvier than they were even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You know, so when they read this, oh, Vince really wants Reigns to be top guy. And, you know, and then I th- I think there's a portion of the fan base like, well, no. You know, especially in the, after what happened with Daniel Bryan, where Daniel Bryan was the fan's choice to be top guy, and the company resisted at every turn, basically, mm-hmm. if all the reports be believed. 
um, before they finally gave in and gave Dana Bryan the, the main event spot at WrestleMania 30. Especially after that, hearing the reports of, oh, Vince really wants this guy to be the face of the company. And I, I, I guess some portion of the fan base is like, well, what about I have no say in this? Yeah, but also just in the booking of him. Oh, I, yeah, that I, did him no favors. I remember yeah. there was just – there was just. I mean, the thing is, like right now, it's, you know, if Vince wants – for example, Vince wants Seth Rollins to be top guy right now. Okay, it seems pretty obvious. Man, they put him through the ringer. They have him do all sorts of cool stuff. They had him win just like, what, six months ago, whatever it was, in 2018. That Or he didn't win it. But he had that hour-long performance in the gauntlet match. That was almost a year ago. Okay, yeah. It's very memorable, though. Oh, yeah, I know, but it didn't seem like it's been that long. Ago. I know, I know, I, I know. The, the time frame, but he's yeah. also like he puts in all the work. Mm-hmm. And granted, Roman mm-hmm. Reigns is a good wrestler, but also you get this stuff. His promos come off as very genuine, and he made a good point about, I remember that time when Vince McMahon, seemingly on a weekly basis, was writing all these really bad promos Suffering, for succotash, yeah. lines and stuff and like that. And it just didn't come off as genuine. No. the the That was the thing. The entire run... Even if people didn't know behind the scenes what was going on, the entire run didn't seem genuine. No. Nothing felt genuine about it, and it, there never felt to be any real struggle there. No. Uh, Mania 2015, Rollins cashes in. Crowd goes crazy, even though that match with Lesnar was actually a pretty decent one to that yeah, point. Yeah, they're telling an interesting story. I can understand. Obviously, you have to make the decision sometime before the uh, match happens. Uh, they couldn't have said, oh, hey, this match is, is good. Let's just change the finish to WrestleMania. Oh, I know, I know. On the fly, I wouldn't put it past Vince, but they didn't do that. No, they didn't. Um, Rollins cashes in. WWE sort of punts on Roman Reigns being the guy uh, once again. November of 2015, Reigns wins the title Survivor Series. Uh, and then in what was actually a really cool moment, uh, beats up Triple H, and he gets a big pop at that uh, before being cashed on by Sheamus. At TLC, Sheamus beats him due to interference and stuff. Uh, and then, oh, maybe that was when he... That was he, when he beat up Triple that's H. That's when he beat up Triple H big time. I know he, I know, I think he punched him at Survivor Series or something. But then he, like, just destroyed Triple H. He speared him all, all sorts of different times. At yeah. TLC, and that got a massive, massive pop. The next night on Raw... He won the title back, um, and he either punched McMahon, Vince at that point. Yeah, he, was, he punched Vince. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that, again, tons of struggle during that match. All sorts of people were trying to interfere with him, and he responded with aggression, with violence. Well, not only and did, that's what people want to see. Not only did he win that night, it was in the same building. He was booed following his win at Rumble yeah. 2015, yeah. Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center. Exactly. Uh, and then he loses the title in the Royal Rumble match. Well, they put the title up for grabs in the Royal Rumble yeah, match. Sixteen, and we got laid out by League of Nations. And then he lost it to Triple H, as opposed to like a cooler proxy like Brock Lesnar, as you've success, uh, uh, suggested before. Um, and then Triple H kind of makes Roman earn it. Like he starts crotch shopping and trying to play kind of cool Triple H. And then their match is just terrible at Mania. Wasn't really good. Um, and then just the next two years, with a couple exceptions, for example, Finn winning the Universal title. He had yeah. the brand split. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that, that period of time when he was champion, uh, lost it to Seth at Money in the Bank, when Dean cashed in on Seth. Mm-hmm. And you learn afterwards that uh, uh, Roman failed the wellness policy test and mm-hmm. was suspended for a month. Yeah. Came back, uh, won the U.S. title. Had a decent program with Rusev mm-hmm. for the U.S. title. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it was all eventually though to kind of build him back up to get back into the universal title scene. Just took forever. He was the Intercontinental Champion for a while, um, and 
yeah, it seemed like at last WrestleMania they were finally going to do it. Mm-hmm. Brock wins. Okay, yeah. it's got to happen at 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 a greatest, a greatest Rumble. Rumble. Brock wins. Yeah, and they in wait a really to, silly cage match. Yeah, and then they wait all the way to SummerSlam uh, in twenty eighteen and have Braun out there ringside pretty much with the Money in the Bank briefcase saying, "Hey, this is getting cashed in at some point in this match." Distracts Brock. Um, although Brock did throw that briefcase all the way up to the top of the ramp. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, but it, it, it wasn't so much uh, uh, Reigns' strength as a competitor that beat Brock. It wasn't a coronation. No, it was Braun's distraction. It was a fast one. Yeah. They pulled a fast one. It was, a, it was, it was like a bait and switch on all of us. It really was. Because yeah. they have Reigns win and they just go, all right, show's over, bye. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the chorus of booze. You don't get to see Reigns posing mm-hmm. in the turnbuckle with his belt. They just end the show. Yeah. And they end yeah. the show in a long shot mm-hmm. where you just have Braun trying to get up against the barricade up by the ramp. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty bad. So they never had their big coronation moment. Nope. People, I think at that point, though, they were just sort of happy to have that title off Brock. And so I think the next night on, on Raw, they were cheering Reigns. I think. Yeah, it was all right. Or at least they were satisfied that it wasn't Brock. Yeah. Oh, you didn't mention here when he beat Undertaker. Oh at yeah, Mania, know, the next night on Raw, know, yeah. he he was it was it was the, the loudest chorus of booze I have crazy. ever heard. Yeah, it was insane. It was just it was like from the from the brand split essentially from 2016, which right at that moment was when he was doing his wellness policy suspension thing. Um, they had Finn beat him. That mm-hmm. was like his punishment. Give me U.S. title. That was his punishment. Um, it just. It was. It always felt like this. This. This sense of inevitability that eventually was oh, going to yeah. be leading to Roman again. Yep. He was always sort of hovering there. Like I think the original plan was for Finn to lose to Brock, Brock to have the title, and then Roman was supposed to beat Brock for mm-hmm. it. And it just it was years, literally years, mm-hmm. where the main title on the main show was just sort of held hostage. Yeah. Um, it was very silly. So yeah, and it's it's at any number of these times they could have done something different and it would have worked. Yeah, you know. Oh, entirely possible. Number two. Oh, sorry. Before we continue, they they were still really trying to capitalize on Brock beating the Undertaker streak at Mania. Yeah, and having Reigns beat Brock, so Reigns in a way would get the streak. Yeah, yeah. They even went so far as to having Reigns beat the Undertaker, yeah. too. which made the whole you know beating Brock for the streak kind of obsolete. Yeah. Number two. Two. The women's division from 1984 to 2013. Look at that, man. Vince is making Trish work like a dog. Anyways, Larson, it's kind of crazy that from 1984, which I mentioned because that's when the WWF bought Fabulous Moolah's women's title, um, which they had sort of used as their own women's title because she never lost it. In fact, they had her picture on it. it. It had her picture on it, literally. I wonder how much they paid for that. I'm sure the information's out there somewhere. Probably. In any event, uh, from 1984, with a few exceptions, uh, until 2013, basically I I pegged the moment when A.J. Lee won the title because she was known as a pretty decent wrestler. Oh, she was really good, yeah. And she sort of marked a turning point. She had that great little sort of uh, pipe bomb-ish moment on sort of the Divas thing. Uh, I thought that was pretty strong. And then after her, it was just a, suggest- a succession well, the, of really good The following good names. year, I believe, is when Paige made her debut. Paige made her debut. AJ Lee for the title. And then we're right into the into the women's yep. revolution. Yep. Um, but uh, here are 
some of the lowlights. Well, first, let's talk about some of the, the the really good talent that was wrestling in this period. You had Lita and Trish, obviously. Sure, yeah. Alundra Blaze, mm -hmm. Medusa, China, Beth Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, Victoria was really good. Mm -hmm. Molly yeah. Holly is a good well, wrestler. Well, yeah, I, I mentioned them here oh, later sorry. on. So. Yeah, Jazz, Gail Kim, uh, Mickey James. All really, really good wrestlers. Mm -hmm. All great wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just take this bit by bit, though. Uh, first of all, we had in 1985... Uh, Wendy Richter, who actually uh, her and uh, Cindy Lauper—I mean, obviously mainly Cindy Lauper—helped usher in uh, the women's era of rock and wrestling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but then in 1985, we had that uh, fabulous Mula Wendy Richter screw job, where uh, fabulous apparently Wendy Richter. There is two different sides to this story, but it all had to do with her contract. Vince wanted her to sign some sort of extension. She claimed she was still in the midst of a five-year deal, but wanted more compensation or something like that. And uh, in any event, they uh, they got that title off her in very shady fashion. Uh, in what's called the original screw job, mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden is a live event. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that happened in 1985. 1999 was a particularly bad year for the women's title. You had uh, Deborah. Uh, who is not really a good wrestler. Oh, she's, yeah, no. Uh, when, who's not, I should just put, she's not a wrestler. Yeah, she wasn't a wrestler. Uh, winning the title over Sable, who again, like wildly popular. She had a good powerbomb. She had a decent powerbomb, uh, but Deborah won in an evening gown match over Sable in 1999. Also in 1999, Fabulous Moolah had another run with it at the age of God 146 or whatever. Uh, the cat won it in 1999 in an evening gown pool match. I'm not sure if that's the one where she went topless. Uh, Harvey Whippleman won it in 2000 uh, as Hervina. Uh, Stephanie Mann had it, so yeah, you know. Uh, March 5th, 2001, Trish Stratus uh, was forced to bark like a dog to Vince McMahon. Um, a lot of stuff during the ruthless aggression era. era. When uh, Vince was prime lecherous, Vince yeah is embarrassing to watch. Yeah, but also during around that time, also from August two thousand. Yeah, there's a lot of good too to two thousand seven. A bunch of names you already mentioned. There's actually a lot. Like I looked at all the stipulate a lot of the stipulations for those title changes, and I didn't see any evening gown matches, brawn panty matches. You don't see a lot of that stuff. Yeah, the, the salacious stuff they kept the backstage segments with Vince. They kept they kept out of the title scene. Yeah, basically. Um, for the most part. But yeah, you mentioned Mickey James, Victoria, Molly Holly, Gail Kim, Jazz. Yeah, all bunch great, of great champions. Yeah. Then we get that oh, stretch. Oh, should have mentioned uh, Jacqueline too. Yes. During the Attitude yeah, yeah, yeah. Era. She was awesome. Absolutely, yeah. She was great. Um, then we had that stretch of sort of the Divas Championship well, era. Well, when they, they had both the Women's Champion on Raw, I think, and the Divas Championship on SmackDown, and they got rid of the Women's Championship and just made the Divas Championship. Yeah, they unified them. And then you had people like Candice Michelle, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, uh, Layla, Maurice, and the Bellas. And I know, I mean, people have their opinions, positive or negative, about all those names, but none of them were terrifically good wrestlers. I mean, they just weren't. Um, and then you get, get to 2013, AJ Lee wins it from Caitlin, and, uh, and then, you know, you're off to the races. And just finally, you know, over the past three years, uh, they understand the significance of, of women's wrestling mm -hmm. and, and what it can do for the company. Yep. But uh, a long, long time for a long, long time, they didn't. No. And they treated that division like uh, a doggy doo doo. So, and that's an absolute shame. It is. Let's get to the number one. One. 
Austin's heel turn and the invasion. Yeah, it's all kind of one story. So, you know, we all know Stone Cold Steve Austin turned heel at the conclusion of WrestleMania 17, shaking the hands of his bitter rival, Mr. McMahon, after hitting the rock over the head with a chair, mm-hmm. a chair that was given to him by Mr. McMahon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the probably the greatest, to that point at least, rivalry mm-hmm. in wrestling history was no more. Yeah. Now they were uh, uh, in an alliance. And uh, pretty much instantly, ratings went right in the toilet. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because people didn't want to see heel Stone Cold. They wanted Stone Cold. Yeah. They wanted middle fingers and stunners, mm-hmm. particularly to one Mr. McMahon. Yeah, man. Um, but, friggin- but Austin at that point felt his character was becoming a bit stale, and, and apparently he just liked working heel, which makes sense. It seemed like heels could have more fun. Yeah, sure. Totally understand why performers want to work heel. And so he pinched, pitched Vince on a heel turn leading up to WrestleMania 17 because, as he said it, Vince didn't have anything huge planned for WrestleMania. At WrestleMania, huge things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, one issue, though, is that WrestleMania took place in Houston, Texas. And where is Steve Austin from? Um, Texas. Texas, correct. So, I mean, he turns heel in his home state. Yeah. And winning, winning the title, too. Yeah. I re- dude, you, you watched that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I remember just feeling really bummed out. It was confusing. It was confusing. The match was great. Yeah, it was a really great match. And then you think to yourself, why the hell would Austin shake Vince's hand? It's confusing. It doesn't make any sense. It immediately weakened him. It was like, oh, really? I just remember thinking, I remember thinking, oh, really? Because you know it's not good. Like, immediately you knew it wasn't going to be good. Yeah, I know. And it turned out not to be good. Well, I mean, there were some, there were some good comedic bits. Well, then you got the, his, his alliance with Triple H, two-man power trip. That was kind of cool. That was decent. That was okay. They had all the belts. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and then Triple H tore his quad in that great match on Raw, mm-hmm. the tag title match. Mm-hmm. So uh, Austin was by himself. And he went through this weird period where all he wanted was was Vince's validation. And it led to a lot of really funny comedic bits between himself, Kurt Angle, himself, and Vince. Remember that one that one shot of him just wanting a hug from Vince, and Vince finally gives it to him, and the look on Stone Cold's face is hilarious. Oh, it was priceless. It was priceless. It was so good. Yeah, but it's, it wasn't Stone Cold. Yeah, it wasn't the Stone Cold. It was that just everybody was missing. Kind of wanted. Missing. Yeah, and it's during this time they started doing the what? Yeah, which unfortunately people still chant during I wrestling don't know shows. Why they do that? Um, but then he eventually turned heel on Vince during the invasion to join the alliance. Mm, yes. Because they didn't have any, the, you know, barring a couple like Booker T and a couple other people, uh, pretty much none of the other major players in WCW came to WWE following WWE's buyout of WCW because they were still getting huge chunks of money from their Turner contracts yeah. and weren't, and wisely so, weren't going to take pennies on the dollar to get to accept the buyout. We should have actually just labeled this, my bad. 2001. Pretty much. <laughs> Greatest creative blunder because he had Austin Seal turn. And then you go into the invasion, which, like you said, was uh, just a big, big, giant misfire. Because um, you had you not because not, you had Shane buying WCW. And so, uh, like, the stars that came in to WWE from WCW at the time were, what, Booker T? He was the biggest star. And there was a lot of younger guys. And there was Booker T and then like the Natural Born Thrillers. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and people liked, uh, people like Kidman. Yeah. Like he came in, people kind of liked him. He was like a cruiserweight guy. But then, you know, I, I guess they, they didn't, they, they realized they didn't have like, yeah. the, the, their, their ranks need to be bolstered. So Stephanie went out and bought ECW. Mm-hmm. And so they brought a bunch of ECW talents in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rather than just having a, 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 a straight up Monday Night War 
battle played out in 2001 and a feud is kind of a weird amalgam of WCW and ECW taking on WWE, which really wasn't what the dynamic was during the height of the Monday Night War. It was primarily WWE and WCW. And if anybody was helping out ECW, it was WWF because yeah. Vince was giving Paul Heyman money at periods in like 97 or something like that. Yeah. WCW would just sign up a bunch of ECW talent, but there was no like working relationship whatsoever. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but by the end of the year, Stone Cold's face again after Survivor Series. Yeah, they pretty much just dropped everything um, with regards to the invasion angle. Then they ended up splitting the brands, brought back a bunch of like, you know, at Survivor Series, it was WWE versus uh, w, versus the Alliance. Alliance yeah. WWE, of course, won thanks to Kurt Angle turning on the Alliance. And uh, and then at Survi- at Vengeance 2001, which we did a going in review of. Yeah, Jericho recently. won the undisputed title. And then they sort of dropped all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Austin, Austin only came back a handful of times. You know, mm-hmm. he went through his phase where he just was a malcontent uh, and had his retirement match at uh, WrestleMania 19. 19. That's right. He left for a while because he didn't want a job to Brock Lesnar on free television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, 2001, and it, it reflected in, in the with the company as well. The ratings just sank, and uh, and all the the milestones that are all the uh, the financial goals that they wanted to hit, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the 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 high of the Attitude Era came crashing down. Yeah, to a low, and then they they entered the uh, ruthless, ruthless aggression, aggression era. era. Ruthless aggression. I understand the, their idea that you know they want to do this invasion, this WCW versus WWE thing especially fresh off the purchase of the company. Um, if they simply would have taken the long road. and that's, But I, I understand the feeling like, oh, this is hot news now. We need to capitalize, capitalize on it now, 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 now. But if you just don't have the... If you just don't have the people to pull it off, it's going to be underwhelming. Mm-hmm. If yep. you're going to have a real WCW invasion... And yeah, I know it's, like, it's not ideal to wait to 2003 when a lot of those Turner contracts expire but it's kind of what you need to do. You mm-hmm. need Goldberg. You need the NWO. You need Scott Steiner, even on one foot. Mm-hmm. Um, Flair. You need Flair. Like, I don't know. They would, never would have gotten Sting. Well, no, Sting was close. That's yeah, he, he yeah. was close to having a match at like WrestleMania 17 that's against right. Undertaker. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And we had more of an invasion. We had more of a proper WCW versus WWE WrestleMania the next year where you had the NWO, where you had Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the invasion angle, for what it was supposed to be, WCW versus WWF, it's like you know Marvel versus DC. It just but it's like Marvel versus DC if DC bought up Valiant to help them out and take on Marvel. If you could, yeah, if it was Marvel versus DC, but you couldn't use Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman. Yeah, you only had like maybe. So instead, Aquaman. you buy up Harbinger <laughs> and uh, uh, Bloodshot, Bloodshot, and yeah. um, um, shoot, uh, uh, Quantum and Woody. Yeah. <laughs> Those properties in to fill in for Superman and Wonder Woman. Magnus Robot Fighter. And you think, well, we'll bring in Captain America over from Marvel. He'll become a DC guy. Right, exactly. And that'll yeah. even the odds. It just didn't oh, work out that man, way. Oh, man, that's a great analogy. Ooh, that's obscure. So anyways. Should I said Image Comics instead of... Uh, no, no, Valiant, Valiant. is great. That's right. great. Because people who get that, they're going to be like, oh, my God. That's obscure. That's awesome. Anyways, that's it for our episode of Count Out Top 10 WWE Creative Blunders. Be sure to let us know what we missed in the comments below. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Remember Ninjack? Yeah. Yeah, That's the name I was trying to remember. Yeah, Turok Dinosaur Yes, that's another one. (laughs) Those are big names. Yeah, man.
Be a part of Going In Raw today at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Starting at $1 a month, you can enjoy Going In Raw ad-free, gain access to the daily 30-minute Going In Raw post-show, exclusive merchandise, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.